in the book of Mark. And so if you have a Bible with you, you can open it to Mark chapter 14. And we'll be reading from verse 1 down to verse 11. But don't worry, if you haven't got a Bible, then the words will be on the screen. Mark chapter 14, verse 1. Now, the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread were only two days away, and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the festival, they said, or the people may riot. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, A woman came with an alabaster jar of expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them any time you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money. So he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. Let me just pray first. Lord Jesus, we come to your word this morning, knowing that it is as much for us today as it was 2,000 years ago. And Lord, you want to speak to us through your word this morning. And so I ask, give us open hearts this morning. As As that first song we sang, open the eyes of our hearts. Lord, help us to hear you this morning. Thank you, your spirit is with us. And he helps us and teaches us. Be our teacher this morning. Thank you. Thank you, for, thank you for that amazing uh, gift that we've been able to celebrate. Thank you, Jesus. It's a, a reflection of grace, a reflection of the love of God poured into people's hearts and then given as worship to you. Thank you. We love you. Come speak to us this morning. Amen. Amen. And there's still an opportunity to give if you want to give and you haven't had an opportunity. There's still a chance. Uh, There's some envelopes on the table if you do want to. Right. So this story that we are looking at this morning, this account, is found in three of the four gospel accounts. The four accounts of Jesus' life that you will find in the Bible. This story is found in three of them. It's found in Matthew, Mark, and John. And uh, John records some other details in the the story. He tells us that the woman is Mary. 
the sister of Martha and, the, and uh, of Lazarus, who Jesus raised from the dead. And he, John tells us also that the meal was in Jesus' honour. They were doing the meal for Jesus. And uh, there is another similar account found in Luke as well. Um, however, many of the details are different. And um, for this reason, it's probably a different, uh, a different event. It's, it's a separate event. It's a different woman. It's, she's called a, um, a simple woman, a woman of the city. Um, it's a different time in Jesus' ministry. And the, the application of it is different. So it's probably a different event. Um, but the three... Uh, in Mark, Matthew and John uh, are likely to be the same. And if I was to summarise the point of this passage, it's this, that Mary recognises the real value of Jesus where others don't. So it's the time of the Passover. It's coming up to the Passover, this festival that the Jews would celebrate, a festival remembering God's dramatic rescue of them out of Egypt, leading his people out and all the events that that involved. And so we read that the chief priests, the teachers of the law, the top two religious groups were scheming and plotting. They had had enough. They were plotting Jesus' downfall. But they'd seen as we read uh, perhaps a few months ago now, they'd seen how Jesus had entered Jerusalem and how the crowds had cried, Hosanna! Hosanna in the highest! Hosanna to the King of, uh, Son of David! They've seen what the crowds were like. So they decide, no, we need to do this secretly. If we're going to do this, we can't do it during the Passover festival. It will make a scene. The people will cause a riot. However, we see by the end of this passage how that all changes. See, it's important to see the beginning of this story and the end, how it's, a, it's an account sandwiched between two other events, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, scheming and plotting, looking for an opportunity to do something in secret. And then at the end, Judas coming to them and saying, I'll betray Jesus. And they said, fantastic. And they're delighted. See, Mark wants us to see that Jesus' arrest, his trial, his execution, isn't in the hands of humans. God's in charge of these events, as we will look at over the coming weeks, as we finish off our journey through Mark. God's in charge of events. That's not to take away their responsibility, However, even in the sometimes dreadful, unjust acts of men and women, God is not out of control. He has not lost control. So, we have a meal at Bethany, at the home of Simon the leper. And uh, imagine if that was the, the kind of nickname you were given. Probably, maybe, this is someone who has been healed by Jesus. Perhaps he had leprosy. And he had been healed by Jesus, maybe. And we read that a woman, Mary, breaks over this, breaks open this expensive jar of perfume. And she pours it on Jesus' head. 
It sounds very strange, doesn't it? I have never seen this when I've been to a dinner party. (laughs) That doesn't happen. If you watch Come Dine With Me, that doesn't happen. No, that's true. He's never been on Condemnment. Yes, that's true. Thanks, Amanda. Helpful. <laughs> if you haven't seen Come Dine With Me, it's a TV program where people have dinner and put on a dinner party and then people tell them how good it was. I've never seen that happen. See, if you are British like me, you might see this as a very strange thing to do to a guest at dinner. One... It's an invasion of someone's personal space. And we don't like people invading our personal space, do we? Not as British. We don't. Secondly, we don't like extreme, seemingly emotional responses to things. We just don't. But if you're from perhaps a Middle Eastern culture, perhaps from parts of Africa, Actually, it might not seem as weird to you as it does to us Westerners. Certainly, in uh, Luke 7, the other account that I mentioned, um, there's a suggestion that it might be not an uncommon thing. Um, Jesus says, Jesus is at a Pharisee's house and a woman anoints him. uh, And uh, he he says to the Pharisee, he says, Look, you didn't give me water for my feet. You didn't greet me with a kiss. You didn't pour oil on my head. But look at this woman. Look what this woman has done. So perhaps there's a suggestion that there's an expectation that some of those things happen when you have someone to your house. However, in Mary's case here, it's not so much the act that the people are questioning. It's the cost of the perfume made from pure nard. It was an expensive plant. It was likely to have been imported from somewhere else. It was worth more than 300 denarii. It says more than a year's wages. Today the cost might have been, between, they say about between 13 and 15,000 pounds, and it goes on one act poured out on Jesus. And so this morning I want to look at three different responses to what Mary does. See, Jesus said it was a vastly important act. In fact, he said um, what she's done will be told wherever the gospel is preached, wherever this good news message that he has come to bring is, is uh, proclaimed, is taught, this, this story will be told in memory of her. It's a vastly important act. And what we think of his good news message and what it is will reflect on what we think of what she has done. So I want to look at three different responses this morning. The first is Judas. We're going to start there. See, it's pretty clear from the story. This seems to be the point where he decides he wants to betray, he's going to betray Jesus. He goes to the chief priests and they're delighted. They might not have to wait until after the festival. See, 
in John's Gospel, it tells us, uh, John says that Jesus, uh, Judas would have preferred the money to go into the, the kind of, the, their kind of corporate pot uh, uh, of, of finance um, because he was taking from it. Because he wanted, he was a keeper and he would help himself to some of it. So you could say he loved money. Later on, he would betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. But it's perhaps not just money. Do you know, he's just heard Jesus saying that they wouldn't always have him around. And again, Jesus talking about his death. See, perhaps like others, as we've worked through the book of Mark and seen, this is not the type of Messiah that Judas wants. He wants a kingly Messiah, a Messiah that will overthrow the Romans, a Messiah that will restore Israel to its true power, make it a powerful nation again. That would meet his needs much better. But this act was the final straw. It was not going the way perhaps he wanted. See, many people think that Christianity is simply about what they can get from it. What makes my life better? So if it makes me a better person, if I can benefit from it in some way, you know, either money, status, power, great. If I'm not getting what I want, hey, I'm not interested. If life is good, my education is good, it's going well, my job's good, my finances are up, hey, I'll stick with Jesus. If not, do you know, I think I'll look somewhere else. <laughs> I, uh, it's probably illustrated by a letter I got the other week from an insurance company. And on the uh, front of the letter, it had a slogan of theirs that said, we are all about you. I thought, no, you're not. <laughs> you're, you're really not. You're, you'll be about your shareholders. But it makes me feel good. This is what our society tells us. It's the way they try and sell us things. We're we're about you. It's about you. Make yourself the centre. Listen. Don't settle for shallow Christianity that puts you at the centre. The gospel is so much bigger. It's bigger than me. It's bigger than you. Do you know, we have been brought into something that is so much bigger than all of us. So when we heard Paul talking about Tanzania last week with slides up, seeing what God was doing in Tanzania, do you know, we realised we're, we're part of this. We're part, this is part of the story we've been brought into. You know, we, we are part of helping this guy, Jonathan, and his wife, Rose, plant and start and grow churches across that nation to bring the kingdom in those places. You know, we're part of that. God's using us. He uses you and I, even us. And we're part of his big story. Okay, the second group of people I want to look at is some of the guests. Some of the guests. I can't remember what it calls them in this passage. I think it just says, some presence. So as well as Judas not being impressed by Mary's actions, we read that 
actually some of the guests weren't either. They too were saying, well, actually, this, could have, this perfume could have been sold and the money could have been given to the poor. It could have helped them. It says they rebuked her harshly. They told her off. What are you doing? You know, those words really stirred me as I was studying this passage this week. Do you know, they don't wait to see what Jesus will say. They step in and they're harsh. So maybe, just as an aside, maybe you're quick to step in. Maybe you're quick to rebuke at certain points, certain times. Do you know, here's a lesson from this passage. Go to Jesus first. Or else you might find out he has a totally different view to what you had. And you know, his view is always right, isn't it? You might hear his rebuke to you. Leave her alone. Leave him alone. Why are you bothering them? Proverbs 14, verse 17 says, A quick-tempered person does foolish things. You know, we're told that this group had the same problem with what she'd done as Judas. Judas. But not for the same reasons, perhaps. You know, we're not told in this passage that they were taking money out of of the, the, the purse, they were taking money out of what was given. We're not told that, so we can't assume that. But they stu- do still see it as a waste. They would have preferred the money to go to the poor. Why? Well, actually, they're still missing something of who Jesus is. See, their focus is more on what can we do to help those in poverty? What can we do to help those around us? Do you know, that's not a bad thing. I love telling people that I meet about all the different ways people in Jubilee serve their communities. I love it. And I kind of run out of examples after a while. I'm going on this and this. I love it. I love that we're a church who serves our communities, that reaches out to the poor and to the marginalised and reaches into our communities. I love it. But in and of itself, that's not the gospel. Jesus said, do you know, you'll always have the poor with you. You can give to them any time you want. That's not, that's not an excuse. That's not a, region, uh, a reason for not helping the poor and marginalised. No one can argue that Jesus wasn't passionate about the poor. You look in the gospel accounts, it's all over them. But do you know, Christianity can sometimes be turned into simply, well, actually, it's just about doing good to others. It's just about doing the right thing. It's just about behaving in the right way. And do you know, all of that points to a bigger problem. Christianity becomes, what can I do for God? See, so many people get stuck in the idea that life is about trying to live up to the expectations that God has for you. Stuck thinking that actually Jesus is just there to help me make better decisions, to help me be a better person, to help me make more, help more people around me. 
actually, it totally misses the point that we are deeply flawed as humans. There is something wrong inside men and women. And no amount of better behaviour, charitable work, will deal with that. We need a saviour. We need a rescuer. And some of those people at that dinner hadn't got it yet. They hadn't seen Jesus and who he was. But Mary had. Mary had. So what does Jesus say about what Mary did? Because, do you know, when others saw it as a waste, Jesus saw it totally, totally differently. This woman got it right when all the men got it wrong. This woman got it right. All the men there got it wrong. Don't let people tell you that the Bible is sexist, that the Bible is chauvinistic. We haven't got time to look at endless passages that would say otherwise. But hey, here's one. She got it right. And they missed it. I hope that doesn't cause any problems over dinner this afternoon. (laughs) But I want to focus on two things that Jesus says to her. Firstly, he calls it a beautiful thing. See, it's, it's not about the perfume. Actually, she, she recognised he's worth everything. I'm giving myself. In this act, I'm giving myself. He's worth, he, he's worth it all. I can build my life on him. He's a solid rock. I'm, I'm, giving, my, I'm giving myself to him. I recognise he is worth more than anything. You know, if you've made decisions in life out of love for Jesus, out of worship for him, do you know they are not a waste? They're not. Others might tell you, what are you doing? You're wasting your life. Why have you made that decision? It's a waste. No, no, I'm, I'm... I'm giving myself. You may think I'm missing out, but I'm giving myself to something that is worth more than anything. I'm giving myself to someone who's worth more than anything. I'm doing this for someone who's done everything for me. It's not a waste. She's not put off. Mary's not put off by the cost. She's captivated by Jesus. And get this, Mary is not earning anything from Jesus here in what she does. She's not earning any affection out of this act. Actually, she's responding to it. So we sometimes sing that song, don't we? That Simon Brading song. Here I stand with nothing in my hands. The best that I can offer is a filthy rag. And you have to sing it like Simon Brading, don't you? A filthy rag. Um, You know, the best I can offer is a filthy rag. It's taken from Isaiah um, 64, Isaiah 64, I think. Um, And he's saying, you know, when it comes to 
when it comes to doing something to earn God's affection, to earn, uh, to, to earn God's love, actually anything we do is just like a filthy rag. It's just like a filthy garment. That's what our best efforts are in trying to earn it. But do you know, things done as a response to his grace, a response to his love, a response to his affection over our lives, do you know what they're called? A beautiful thing. A beautiful thing. Listen, are you trying to earn God's favour? We can start out with good intentions as well. This week, I'm going to pray every morning and read my Bible. This week, I'm going to do it. And you miss one. I've got to get it right next week, else God won't love me, else God won't be happy with me. I better book up my ideas. No, 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 that's not grace. That's not the love of God. Or I should, you know, I should put money in this, this gift day because if I really want to be a good Christian, well, I suppose I should have to do it. No, no, that's not, Mary's, Mary's was a free choice. No one forced her. It was not done to earn anything. It was freely done out of love and a response to Jesus. Our lives are given to him joyfully and freely as worship. Not grudgingly. Listen, if you're doing anything in your life grudgingly, get before God. Get before God. Ask him to change you. Ask him to change you so that you might do it as a response to worship, as a response to him. Not, not, not grudgingly. Or, or else don't do it. The first option's better. Get before God. Ask him to help you to enable it to be worship and not done grudgingly. So firstly, Jesus calls it a beautiful thing. And secondly, he says this. He says, Mary poured, he says, she poured up perfume on my body beforehand to prepare me for my burial. See, all the Old Testament kings, um, as we look in the Bible, um, were similarly to this, were anointed for their kingship. We can look at Saul, we can look at David, we can look at Solomon. And uh, there, was, there was this kingly act where they were anointed with oil for who they'd been, uh, for the role they'd been called to. But do you know, this king, King Jesus, is being anointed for death. He's being anointed for his burial. But that phrase, to prepare for my burial, it means so much more than his death. It means that in death he would defeat sin. It means he would be raised to life. This king would be raised this king would live and offer transforming life to those who follow him. And he's a king that's alive today. And you know, even as we look at the end of the Bible in Revelation, we see there's this king who speaks to churches. And so he says to the church in Ephesus, he says, you know, you've forgotten the love you had at first. I want you to be captivated by me. You've done some good stuff, but you've forgotten the love you had at first. 
but be captivated by who I am. And you know, he says that to the church today. Be captivated by who I am. Look how Mary was captivated and saw me. Don't let your affections drift. Be captivated by me. He's wanting to... He's wanting to captivate our hearts. He's wanting to do that even this morning. That our hearts would be extravagant, like Mary's. That our hearts would be firmly fixed on him. As we see the one who we deserved death, but he gives us grace and gives us life. That we were God's enemies, but he made us God's friends. That we add nothing to our salvation. He adds everything. That all things will be brought under his lordship. And you know, there's desires, those desires like money, like status, like power, do you know they compare not to Jesus? They don't compare to the riches found in him. They really don't. This is the grace of God that comes to you and I. Not through earning it, not through deserving it, but by his love and affection and grace, he comes to you and I. I want us to pray. I want us to respond. I want us to come before this Jesus who's captivated our hearts. Let's come before him in prayer. I loved what Hassan said, that he didn't have to... He was freely able to approach King Jesus. It wasn't... He didn't have to bribe anyone. He didn't have to make a sacrifice. Jesus, Jesus was the sacrifice once and for all for us so that we might be able to approach him, know him, love him, come before him. And so we freely and lovingly approach you, Jesus, this morning in our prayers. We thank you. You gave yourself for us. And we say, captivate our hearts afresh with who you are. Just as we're praying, could the band come up? We're going to sing in worship, but let's just keep praying. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, it's not earned. It's not deserved. The grace of God pours freely, richly out on you and I. Do you know, if you're not a Christian here this morning, you can know this grace today. You can know what it means to have all those mess-ups, all that failure taken by Jesus. And to know he loves you forever. And to live in that love. 
Holy Spirit, thank you you're here with us. Thank you you're speaking to us. Thank you that you are moving amongst us. Thank you you are bringing afresh the love of Jesus. Thank you you bring power to us, power for life. We're not left on our own to work things out. But you come and empower us. Empower us to live lives that are captivated by our King Jesus and make decisions that others might see as waste, but that you see as a beautiful thing. Listen, this morning, I believe we, we have we have plenty of time to respond, and there's some people here from our ministry team that can help, help me do that and just pray with you. But I believe God wants to restore joy this morning to many. Perhaps for whatever reason. Just circumstances. Things in life. Just you know, it's robbed you of joy. It's robbed you of this joy-filled life. He wants to come this morning and captivate you afresh. Perhaps you, you're just aware your eyes have been taken off the love of God and who he is. So now he wants to captivate you afresh this morning and restore joy to you. Just like Dennis was saying, perhaps you're just aware even of accusations, maybe from the past, maybe right now, maybe things that are just holding you back from living in that freedom. Do you know today, as Dennis said, today is a day of freedom and Jesus is here. He wants to speak to you. He wants to bring freedom. Perhaps for others, you know that there's a decision in life that you need to make. Perhaps it's a lifestyle. Perhaps it's relationships. Do you know, he wants you to see that following him is a beautiful thing. There may be cost attached to that, cost in giving something up, cost in making certain decisions. But you know, he sees it as a beautiful thing. And he wants to captivate your heart afresh this morning to enable you to do that. Enable you to walk through that decision. Do you know the riches found in him just don't compare. They don't compare to anything else this world might offer. But he's here by the Spirit this morning to empower you to do that. So as we worship together, if you know one of those things, I just want someone to stand with me. I want someone to pray with me. then why don't you come out over to this bit here or just over to those tables at the side and we'll have people who can pray with you. Why don't we stand? We're going to take the offering as well as we do that. But hey, look, if there's, if there's one of those to do, either the offering or to respond in ministry, uh, for ministry, do the latter, do the second.
respond to Jesus this morning. Uh, you know, the offering can wait. But let's worship. And if you know God's speaking to you this morning about one of those things, why don't you just come out here and some of the guys will pray with you. Let's worship. <laughs>